the first thing is helping someone that has no familiarity with software realize that hey you know what what you're what you're doing here is, is a huge dream you know and, and so let's put as tight of a box as we possibly can around what are the most important features that we can build and of those features there's many different ways we from the technology standpoint can build that feature what's the skinniest possible way that we can kind of launch your version one and so helping a non-technical person that's never done this before think through the lean startup methodology and what is a minimum viable product and how can we go and make that a polished system you know gone are the days of making a horrible mvp that does a lot of things but man now we want <laughs> a narrow feature set but is great you know, tackling those features as well as we possibly can Welcome to the Invest Local Podcast, where we uncover the brilliance of local businesses that are slugging it out, serving their customers and giving back to their own communities. Check us out at vicinitycapital.com and give us a follow on social media. We'd love to hear from you. Also, we are not making any investment recommendations, nor are we providing any sort of investment advice. Now on with the show. Welcome, folks, to the Invest Local Podcast. I'm your host, Malcolm McDonald, and today we've got a special guest, Keith Shields in Greenville, South Carolina. Keith has um, been working in tech and, and startups for a long time, um, currently is the CEO and co-founder of Designly there in South Carolina, which is a, uh, an app building and design firm, works with everything from enterprise level clients down to, uh, to, to early stage um, concept software uh, development for startups. So excited to have you on, on Keith. I think there's a lot of alignment between what you're doing and, and what we're trying to do. So excited to hear a little bit about your story and, and uh, how, how the process works at Designly. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Morning. How did you get started? Was it just you or did, did you, uh, it sounded like you've got a co-founder. How, tell me the, the Designly story. Yeah, we've got a bit of a fun origin story. Um, I'll, I'll give you the, the redacted version, at least try to. Um, so my, my then buddy and now business partner, Josh, we were up at Ohio State University, the Ohio State University. Um, we were finishing up our sophomore years. We we're both going for mechanical engineering. Um, and that was 2012-ish. And that was when kind of this whole app boom was really at its peak. So that summer of 2012, Instagram sold for a billion dollars to Facebook. Right, like so many good greedy college kids, we looked at each other like, "Oh, we need to get into apps." Yeah, I want a piece of that. <laughs> yeah, right. So everyone was saying that at the time, and before that, we were kind of heavy in the web side of things. You know, we were coding websites kind of for fun, not too much on the app side. Um, but that was also kind of lined up nicely with when you're doing mechanical engineering sophomore year that summer. That's when they start pushing you into internships and trying to get some real world experience. And so we, neither of us were really enjoying our engineering paths that much. And so we decided to take that summer to try to launch our own thing in the app space. And so kind of hacking through ideas, we came up with this idea for Applets. Um, Applets was this crowdsourced app idea competition where our users could come on, submit a little napkin sketch of what they wanted their next brilliant app idea to be. And our users would see those, upvote, downvote those ideas, kind of Reddit style. Um, and we would go and build the highest voted app idea at the end of each month. And we would split the profits with everyone that helped. So if it was your idea, Malcolm, maybe you get, you know, 10% of future profits. And then if, you know, someone else helped to design the thing, they might get a, a percentage of future profits as well. So the whole idea was let's build this 
the whole idea was we don't necessarily have a the idea for the next big Instagram, but maybe people do out there on the street and we could and they don't have you know the budget to go and build it themselves or the technical knowledge to build it themselves. We could build this startup that feels those ideas, has some market research being done in advance because users would tell us what they're interested in downloading, and then we would go and build those ones. Um, so anyway, you know, the, the story is getting long, but ultimately we raised an investment round for this company from some friends, family, angels in Syracuse, which is where we both actually went to high school together, Josh and I, um, and launched this guy. And it was a classic startup story where Josh, my partner, he dropped out of school um, and we, we did this startup. I took a, a semester off um, after that and really just hacked on it. Um, and very long story short is that we ran this applets business for three years. We were trying to build one new app a month. That's obviously too much volume for two guys to code themselves. Wow. So the yeah. business model was, <laughs> yeah, a lot of work. So we, we raised an investment round in order to go and pay established teams to build these apps for us. Um, and the learning was, man, this is tough. You know, apps are always over time frame. They're always over budget. It's very hard to translate something that's in your brain of, oh, this is a great app vision into a product that you kind of like the polish level and, and it, it's hard it's hard to navigate this this world. And so over three years, we only successfully built 16 apps, which is definitely less than one a month uh, because of all those reasons, you know? And, and so um, basically towards the end of this, um, folks were starting to come to us saying, hey, Keith, you know, I, I don't want to submit my next great app idea to this public forum. Can I pay you to build it for me instead? And we said, oh, sure, you know, these apps that we're building weren't making too much money. And so in order to keep the lights on, we started services kind of accidentally and, and said yes to these people. Um, and that's how Designly was born. Designly was born in, in late 2013, um, kind of as a way of feeling these people that were interested. They liked the way our apps looked as far as the design style, and they wanted to pay for this instead of going through this public voting contest. Very cool. Wow. That, it, it's funny how, you know, it, you can, <laughs> you can only sell what the market is willing to uh, buy. So it, it is always funny to hear about pivots that are, that come directly out of what customers tell you, right? So you can, <laughs> you can try to certain, sell a certain product, but it, it's, it's cool when at least a piece of that product gets, you know, your customers come back to you and say, Hey, I, I love this, but really I'm only going to buy it if it's in this format, you know, for, for in this case, privacy. So that's, that's interesting. Great, great kind of pivot story there in terms of what you're what you're doing now. So, the designly kind of setup right now. So y'all do you know you do kind of all over the board in terms of of company size, startup all the way up to enterprise. Do y'all have kind of a niche though where you focus in on on a specific company size or, or stage, or is it is it truly kind of opened up to all over the board? Great question. Yeah. So the way I would kind of describe what we specialize in is that we help non-technical folks go from vision to version one for their new software concept. So our team, we're, we're not the guys that go into Michelin and take over their big, hairy, scary system that's been there for 20 years and, and help to, you know, kind of smooth it out a little bit. That's not our cup of tea. Um, new software initiatives. Um, and, and getting something out of your brain translated into a polished, launchable, marketable version one um, is really where our specialty lies. And that doesn't mean we don't stay around after the fact. We really love to dig in and, and help kind of iterate on that new product based on market feedback and help the customer kind of balance 
budget versus you know all the all the waves of feedback you inevitably get when you launch a new software initiative. But sure. that is something that we kind of happened into because of this applets story, right? Where it, it, it was very hard for us to find a company that was great at managing expectations, managing the process, having a tangible blueprint of, hey, this is what our finish line is. This is what we're signing off on. This is what we'll expect in order to reach version one. Um, and so that's really what we've been hell bent on perfecting is our process around getting a non-technical person revision to version one. Um, so that lends itself towards startups, entrepreneurs, where this thing that we're building is going to be foundational to their business. It is going to be a, a company in and of itself. Um, and we also do that same process for enterprise, like you've mentioned, you know, a new software initiative within a business. The, 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 the person that's assigned that, the point person for that initiative is scared because they're, you know, left with this big amount of responsibility and they don't want to go over timeline, over budget. Um, you know, how do we add some certainty to that person? That's a real problem too. Um, so in yeah. startups, that, that's, that's a really big market of ours too. Yeah, no, I love that idea. That's a that's a great um, that's a way, great way to capture a vision to vision to V one um, is going to apply to you know startups or or like you said enterprise clients that are that are rolling out a new product. I mean, just like a startup, they don't want to use a ton of time and a ton of energy to to build a new component that um, that may or may not you know be viable long term. So on the startup side. You know that's that's always really interesting for because I've talked to a couple different kind of design and 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 um, programming firms and and what's always interesting is you know it's you want to help the startup succeed um, but but obviously you got to pay to uh, <laughs> to do your work so where do you kind of find the balance between you know helping folks that that have an idea and want to get off the ground but you know maybe don't have any revenue or haven't really raised much what much capital yet without, you know, kind of sucking their, their resources dry before they ever have a chance to, to launch an MVP? Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, the first, the first thing is helping someone that has no familiarity with software realize that, hey, you know, what, what, you're, what you're doing here is, is a huge dream, you know, and, and so let's put as tight of a box as we possibly can around what are the most important features that we can build. And of those features, there's Many different ways we, from the technology standpoint, can build that feature. What's the skinniest possible way that we can kind of launch a version one? And so helping a non-technical person that's never done this before think through the lean startup methodology and what is a minimum viable product and how can we go and make that a polished system. You know, gone are the days of making a horrible MVP that does a lot of things, but nah. Now we <laughs> want a narrow feature set, but is great you know, tackling those features as well as we possibly can. Um, so thinking through that methodology and, and, and leading them through that is, is thing one, to answer your question. The second thing we do is try to get the customer to invest a readiness as quickly and cost-effectively as we can. So all the time with the startup customers, we go through what we call a solution lab, which is a blueprinting roadmapping session of doing exactly this, talking through each feature, the possibilities per feature, and narrowing down the number of hours required to build their thing, the version, the first version. Um, and then we do graphic design and prototyping to simulate what the functionality will look like. And we put this into a tangible, animated, navigable prototype that you can actually install on your phone if it's an app or you can bring it up on the web if it's a web app. Um, and this is a point where a lot of our customers go and seek around um, you know, for, for investors and try to kind of um, you know, alleviate some of that risk by way of bringing on some partners and, and really selling the vision. Because until then, you're just 
throwing a, a business plan around is not very inspiring. But if you can show a tangible example of, hey, this is our finish line, this is what it looks like, that's a really great spot to either raise funds or um, to, to run that by future users and say, hey, would you use this thing if it existed? You know, it's, it's a great kind of place to pause for feedback. Right. Yeah. And you mentioned in the lean startup, you know, when, when you're saying that, I was thinking about um, how Eric Reese talks about, um, you know, early on, it's, it's really easy to buy, to build a bunch of stuff that nobody needs or will ever use. Yep. And so um, I, I think that's that I, I imagine I'm curious, is that really is that a tough concept to to get non-technical founders to to latch on to to say, you know, hey, I know there's these, you know, 10 features that you think are super critical, but I'm telling you, you know, we've got to start with, you know, these two or three or five first. Um, is that really difficult or are you, are most of the folks that you work with um, pretty understanding in terms of not being able to, to build out, um, you know, a, a elaborate app versus an MVP? Yeah, it's a good question. It, it's, it's somewhat difficult. Um, I'm an analogies guy, so I use the analogy a lot of custom home building, right? Launching a new software initiative is kind of like building a custom home. We could build you a tiny house. We could build you a mansion. Most of the time we're building stuff in between. <laughs> so when you come to Designly, we can very easily say, oh, this guy wants a 2000 square foot house. We know it's going to have a kitchen in it. That's pretty straightforward. But the way we approach that problem that you just verbalized is, is, is document and discover the paths of, of how this can happen. So in this solution lab module, this the starting point that we do with all new customers, it's a three week process basically. We say, okay, 2000 square foot house, it's got a kitchen. Within the kitchen, we know there, there needs to be a place to put food. We could get, a, could we get away with a laminate wood countertop or do we need granite? Or maybe we splurge and go for quartz and it's fancy. Um, and if we do that, maybe we kind of take away some of the fanciness on the other side of the house. And the only way to really drill this into a non-technical brain is to actually have a precise price, hours, uh, per each option. So, okay, laminate is X dollars. If we do granite, it's plus $2,000. Of course, man, plus $5,000. Is that worth it? And so we, we, we fully document and discover all of the paths for doing that. And once we have that, that's called a work breakdown structure. Now we've got the precise cost difference of each of these options. And we, it's easier to narrow it down into what is totally required once we have some numbers around it, right? Otherwise, it's just all theoretical. Yeah, no, I'm a visual guy, so that that's really helpful for me. It kind of keeps the the founder in control too. Um, you know, it just lets them know a, a little bit better of of um, lets them do an ROI or cost benefit on the features that they're purchasing essentially yes. um yeah. and instead of you know just throwing a lump sum and hoping to get the product that you're you know that you have in your head out of that what would you say you know if you're talking to a founder um kind of on two kind of two questions here if, if i can one is is founders coming in and then one is founders kind of exiting what do you see the biggest issues or problems that founders have coming into your program and then kind of exiting when you when you hand off what are what are the mistakes that you see on, on either end of, of kind of the designly uh, customer life cycle, if you will. Yeah, a customer needs to um, ha understand that their idea is, is malleable. You know, it, the, the wrong way to approach building a new piece of custom software, especially when you're not technical, is to say, these are the exact features I need. The vision's great, but these are the exact features I need, and here's exactly how they should be built, is probably the wrong way to approach. And that's why. The solution lab really, if you think about it, is, is setting up our team to be collaborative 
and consultative um, in, in, in getting this startup launched for someone. Um, you know, in, in the very early days of our business, seven and a half years ago, we would take specs from a customer regardless of how well or bad they were written, and we would chug on it. We would code exactly what they said, you know, explicitly without asking any questions. In the software world, that's the wrong way to do it. Um, you know, we need to, we need to um, kind of work together to explore the best possible way to tackle each, each function. And if there's a problem, hey, let's raise our hands instead of waiting six months where there's a boatload of code already written where now it's gonna take much more time and thus dollars to um, massage the way something works. Um, so I'd say that's a, that's a understanding that your idea is, is malleable and being willing to have your vendor, your partner, look at your vendor as a partner and, and let them be consultative with figuring out the best solution for your version one um, and making sure it will evolve over time. That, that's the thing that kind of sets successful customers apart from the non, I would say. Um, and above, above and beyond that, it's the obvious stuff. It's, are you able to articulate your concept and show your prototype to folks and raise funds? Obviously, funding is a big blocker for a lot of people. Um, and, you know, after going through the entire process, once you're launched, now you get into this problem statement of getting the word out there. Um, and so digital marketing is... Um, you know, obviously a, a whole rabbit hole in and of itself and our team we, we don't help with the marketing side we'll set up the plumbing and the dashboards and whatnot but we're not the guys that go and place google ads and manage that um so that's a whole other component so so when we when we go through a solution lab this consultative starting point we actually look at the customer and we say what is this customer good at oh wow they are a medical device salesperson they are used to going and calling on people and selling a medical device so this software initiative that they're building, maybe we make it instead of relying on digital marketing and paying for Facebook ads, maybe we build it so that the admin, the client, goes and sells an installation of this software as a service tool and then sets up the customer in their own admin panel and bills them via QuickBooks manually. Wow, now we don't have to build a billing system. The, the user enters the credit card, but that's not the point, right? The, 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 the odds are better that they'll be able to go and sell the software in person than placing Facebook ads and having the person just automatically go through the credit card processing flow. It, it, if, if that makes sense. I don't know if I'm verbalizing that correctly. No, that, that makes total sense. And that's a, I love that approach to, to building um, software. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, software is, is, um, is going to be used by a person, right? Even it doesn't matter if you're, you know, B to C or B to B or, or, you know, C to C, <laughs> um, you're at the end of the day, there's an end user. And so writing the, the, um, the code and, and designing it for that end user, which in this case, you know, if, if your user is a salesperson versus a, um, you know, a, a programmer or a doctor, um, the, how they use it is going to, going to look a lot different and how they maximize it is going to look very different. So now I love that approach to, to the design side, um, making it building the software with the customer in mind, um, is always, is always a, a key to success. So I think that's really cool. So the, the other question I was, I was really curious about, um, you know, you're in Greenville, South Carolina, you know, you're not in Boston or New York or certainly not Silicon Valley. Um, so I'm curious where, where do your clients primarily come from? And, and do you see a, uh, do you see kind of a, a is there a different flavor um, of, of app or founder that you've experienced here in Greenville versus, um, you know, what you, what you might experience in, in another, you know, more bigger tech markets, if you will. Um, 
You know, I, pr probably half of our clients are are local here to Greenville, and half of them are everywhere else in in the country. Um, and you know, honestly, there's there's a lot of great ideas coming out of coming out of Greenville. Um, and we were lucky enough we we moved our business down here in 2015 um, from Ohio State, like I mentioned. Um, and at the time, you know, there was there was not a huge startup scene, not a huge software scene, anyway. Um, and since then, you know, last five years or so, there's really been a lot of new um, kind of murmurs of, of startups that are software driven and you know doing cool things. And so we've been well placed to go and help those folks. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a um, you know a, a exciting town to, to have a business like this. And one of the I was listening to some of your guys' past, uh, past podcasts, and um, one of your guests from. Charleston mentioned that the Charleston business scene is very accessible and you can send an email and grab a coffee in, in no time. And that's very different than, you know, being in another kind of hotspot that you think of, oh, that's a startup hub. And, and the Greenville is the same exact way. Um, and so, you know, we, we are very intent on connecting with all of the, you know, impressive folks here. There's too many to count, all the business leaders, all the startup folks. Um, and that's really how I spend a majority of my time. And interestingly, we've um, might be getting a little bit off topic, but we started this series on our blog called Entrepreneurial Insights, um, where we have nice photo shoots taken, nice interviews conducted of some of these folks that we've met over time um, over coffees. And the goal being, let, let's extract some of those learnings of the successful entrepreneur who exited. And man, there's only been a few of those in Greenville. Let's learn everything that that person has to say about, about exiting and building a successful startup. And instead of just digesting that, you know, Keith digesting that over a coffee, let's turn that into a format that we can publicize and, uh, you know, kind of spread the message and the learning yeah. to a wider audience. So we're really enjoying that. That's a, that's a fantastic way to kind of boost up the entrepreneurial spirit here in Greenville too. So we're, we're having a fun time with that. Yeah, no, I love that. That's very in line with, you know, what we're doing right now on this podcast. This yeah. is, this is designed to, to tell the stories of, of folks that, that, um, you know, are, are doing successful things that have figured out, you know, how to do business here in the Southeast and, and do it well across different industries and, and, you know, kind of, kind of pick their brain a little bit and figure out, you know, what's working, how do you do it? What's your, your methodology? So I love that you're doing that there and, and, um, with the leaders in Greenville. And I think there's more, um, that, like you said, accessibility is one of the biggest things. I think Greenville, Charleston, and, and here in Birmingham as well is one of the biggest upsides to, to be in here is that people in, in our cities love, um, where they live and they want, they want to build that ecosystem. And so tapping into that is, uh, is really big. So, um, kudos to that. And I'm sure a lot of people will benefit from, you know, the, the content that y'all put out in, in, on that front. So, um, a last thing is, is, is really just, um, you know, where, where do you kind of see, um, the future of, of Designly, any, any big news coming up and then, you know, how can folks get, get connected with you? Yeah. Um, good question. So, you know, next, next things for Designly, we're, um, still growing fast. Um, we're, we're really intent on, um, only bringing on the best people to our team. So we're kind of um, artificially slowing down our growth, I would say, compared to the other path, which is hire as quickly as you can and, and screw up the some of the deliverables for the end client. And that's really what we are very intent not to do. Um, we're, we're kind of continuing to, you know, that there's a lot of 
software firms that you go to their website and it's, they say, oh, we code in React and Node and PHP. And a non-technical person who's launching a app project has no idea what that means, frankly, and they don't care because they want to find a partner that will, if they can trust enough to, to handle that piece for them, can also communicate all that plumbing into non-technical, non-developer jargon. So we're really intent on kind of our website being, hey, here's, we, we do that entrepreneurial insights thing that I just mentioned, but we also do something called the founder series where we profile our successful customers that have launched and we do a nice photo shoot, a nice interview and say, oh, what's your, what was your inspiration behind launching a, a software, a, a startup that relied on software? Um, and what have you learned and what are your insights and kind of the same, same idea, but blowing those people up. You know, we, we just had a client last week that exited um, and, and sold uh, their, their startup that we helped with. So that's, that's awesome. these, these types of things are something that just keep rolling the snowball down the hill. Um, and we're just going to continue to do that. Um, launching a, a new website here in the next month or two that, that really kind of brings those stories to the forefront more than on our current website. So be very, very excited about that. Um, and otherwise, you know, reaching out to us, designly.co, um, Keith at designly.co is my email address. And um, I'm just you know trying to be as helpful as possible as I possibly can to folks that might be interested in launching a startup, but also people that need kind of mentorship or, or thoughts around, you know, how they can continue to grow their business. So I'm just making myself available and, and happy to help anyone and everyone. Awesome. Hey, well, I appreciate it, Keith. Uh, thank you for being on the show today. And um, definitely we'll drop your uh, contact info in the, in the show notes. If y'all want to check out Designly. Um, and uh, we appreciate you sharing your story with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And there you have it. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Invest Local Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving a review and feel free to follow us on any of our social media platforms. And don't forget to tune in next week for more local stories.